The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And welcome to another edition of Winning Ponies. Hope to put you on a slew of winners this Belmont week. And we brought in uh, two guests that are uh, located in New York. Uh, One uh, lives in Lexington, Kentucky. And that is Claire Novak. It was announced this week that uh, one of her stories in writing for ESPN has earned her top honors in the New York Racing Association's annual Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest. It was a story that was called Unforgettable Day at Belmont Park, concerned last year's Belmont Stakes, of course, uh, marred by the scratch art. Of I'll have another. So it'll be interesting to get her perspective on on the Belmont. And then uh, weeks ago, uh, Dan Illman made the fatal mistake of saying, John, I'll be on the show anytime. Of course, Dan is one of the top handicappers uh, for the Daily Racing Forum. He operates out of the New York office. Uh, so he's pretty much going to have his ear to the ground uh, concerning all things Belmont. A lot of people are going to have their eyes to the sky concerning uh, this week's Belmont Stakes because it looks like that storm that's running up the East Coast, they say, could drop anywhere from three to five inches of rain in the New York area tomorrow. Now, Belmont is known uh, because of its sandy surface uh, to dry out fast, and uh, where it is, uh, they usually get a good steady wind, so conditions could change throughout the day. I don't know, though, how that's going to impact the uh, the uh, guaranteed pick four, uh, because uh, in in that pick four, you've got the uh, mile and a quarter turf, uh, Woodford Reserve Manhattan handicap, and uh, that the course is going to be on the grass, and we're not sure what's what's going to happen there. Um, also on the turf, the, the just a game going a mile. So uh, you're going to have to keep an eye out. Uh, you're going to have to watch the conditions before you uh, make that final bet on Belmont Day because the storm is definitely going to impact it. So uh, I've got some great guests and Dan Elman and Claire Novak. Uh, looking forward to, uh, to a fun show. Uh, of course, a, a busy week, you know, the uh, over at the uh, Belmont, we, it's going to be the, the final of the Triple Crown races, obviously the winner of the Derby and, and Orb, and then Oxbow, the Preakness winner. They're both going to be in the field and knock heads. And in saying that, we'll read off the field rather quickly, but remember, we are having a contest at Winning Ponies. So uh, go on Winning Ponies, just log into the site. It doesn't cost anything. Uh, give your top four picks. There'll be a sheet that'll pop up. And uh, 
your picks in order as you would a straight bet, a straight superfecta, and then put in the final time because we're going to use that as the tiebreaker if need be. Uh, and don't forget, we were lucky enough to get uh, two autographed books, uh, Jack from Grit to Glory, the, the new autobiography of Jack Van Berg, and he's going to personally autograph them for you. Uh, we've got 12 prizes for the 12 furlongs. And then our friend Pat Lang from Pat Lang Photo is donating um, five photos of Ali Sheba setting the all-time record in the Breeders' Cup Classic. And then our friends at Cody Photography are giving us a wise Dan Horse of the Year poster. So we'll be paying out to the top 12 finishers. Again, that's the Winning Ponies Contest. Come to the site and sign on. It is free. we got some great gifts for you. So in the, in the Belmont card, um, it's going to have a $1 million guaranteed pick six and a $1 million guaranteed pick four. So we are going to be uh, highlighting those races with Dan. Hopefully we can at least get the pick four in because there's also a, a unique Friday-Saturday double bet in uh, the Brooklyn Handicap uh, so you better get your mud shoes out for that one. That's listed as the 10th race tomorrow at Belmont Park, and you'll combine the, the Brooklyn Handicap with the Belmont Stakes. So uh, we'll definitely uh, uh, get those two down with Dan. Uh, so, the uh, again, million-dollar pick six and pick four guaranteed at Belmont Park. Now, NBC Sports Network, they're going to start coverage a little bit earlier in the afternoon on Saturday, and then at 5 o'clock it's going to switch over to regular NBC Sports. So uh, without further ado, let's take a quick look at the Belmont field. Again, we hope that you'll, you'll join our contest here on Winning Ponies. Uh, surprisingly late entry and will be a long shot is Frack Daddy, but Kenny McPeak, well, he won this race at 70-1 to 1 with Saraba uh, back in 2002, I believe, so hard to leave him out. Then you got Mutter Superior, the horse that just romped in the Peter Pan by 13 lengths on a sloppy track at Belmont. Freedom Child could be very dangerous and get some action when the rains do come. Uh, then you have uh, Todd Pletcher, who's having... <laughs> Five horses. He's got like 37% of the field. Uh, he's got John Velasquez. We'll ride over analyze for him. Uh, then you've got a uh, long shot giant finish breaking from the four hole. The uh, current favorite and derby winner, Orb, breaks again from the five hole. And uh, next to him, long shot incognito from the Karen McLaughlin barn. Then Oxbow, the Preakness winner, drew the seven hole. So both the Derby and the Preakness horses uh, drew pretty favorable posts. They can break from the middle and get to where they've got to go. Though I think we know where Oxbow's probably going to go, and that'll be towards the front. Then you have the lightly raced Todd Pletcher, Midnight Taboo. And then a horse who's kind of a now horse a lot of people talking about, puts in an honest effort every time in Revolutionary, will break from the nine post. From the ten is Will Take Charge, D. Wayne Lucas, trainee. And then outside of him, surprisingly at 20 to 1, is Vijack. He, every one of his races was a good one until the Derby. Uh, hard to believe he's uh, listed at 20 to 1. Could get you some value right there. Then you got Palace Malice. The blinker experiment did not work for Todd Pletcher in the Derby, taking him off. And so no blinkers on Palace Malice. He'll break from the 12 hole. 13 hole, well, we're going to have the girls up. 
Rosie Napravnik riding the Philly unlimited budget. Her only losing effort was in the Kentucky Oaks, where she ran third that day. And then far on the outside, the horse that ruined many a trifecta and superfecta ticket at the Kentucky Derby at 35 to 1. It was Golden Soul. He'll be forced to break from the outside post. So that's a quick look at the, the Belmont Stakes horses. And again, we hope that you will partake in our contest on winning ponies. <clears throat> well, let's take a look at some other uh, news of the week. Looks like all the horses I just named are are training very well up into the race. Uh, all the trainers feeling very good. Nobody indicating that there's going to be any um, late scratches up until this point, and nobody they're kind of expecting the weather. And most of them are saying we're we're pretty much going to go with what we've got to do. I will say I would have liked to have been a fly on a wall at a dinner that was held last night at uh, Todd Pletcher's house. Uh, joining him were Karen McLaughlin, Dallas Stewart, uh, Hall of Fame jockey uh, Angel Cadero Jr., Hall of Famer D. Wayne Lucas. Uh, they all uh, had dinner over at uh, Pletcher's Garden City, New York home. Uh, according to Karen, it was fun because it was a great get-together. Wayne's in Kentucky most of the time. We're all good friends. It's nice because he's a teacher, a coach before he was a trainer, and he's still a teacher and a coach. And that's why he's helped all of us so much in life. That must have been one heck of a dinner, is all I can say, uh, with uh, all those great trainers together. And all of them going to compete Saturday in the Belmont Stakes. Okay, there's going to be a new addition to the Hall of Fame. It's called the Pillars of the Turf, and uh, boy, they certainly selected uh, two, of the, two of the right guys uh, in uh, both August Belmont II and Paul Mellon. Of course, August Belmont is <laughs> certainly no strange name to racing. He was the Breeder Man of War, one of the fine founders of the Jockey Club. There were uh, 12 people on the panel that, that, that voted them in. And of course, uh, Mellon, he's a bred and raised champions in both the United States and England. And uh, Jay Hobday, who's uh, been on Winning Ponies, was one of the uh, voters, as was Mark Simon's uh, wife, Mary, an outstanding writer in her own right. Um, so that's going to be the new Pillars of Turf category uh, in Racing's Hall of Fame, deservedly so. Um, Gary Stevens uh, had a little trouble in a, in a spill last week, and he took off all his mounts uh, on Sunday. I was hoping to get to New York early this week and get up on horses in the morning. And uh, I did try to do a little homework, and uh, haven't seen him ride one yet. But uh, tomorrow he's on two horses, both of them 20-to-1 shots, but at least he'll get a feel for, for how he's feeling after being roughed up. Uh, now, on Saturday, he, he rides uh, several on the card. Uh, he's on a 5-to-2 shot, 12-to-1, 15-to-1, 20-to-1, and Oxbow currently listed at 5-to-1. So hopefully Gary is, uh, is fit as a fiddle and will do just fine on Belmont Day. Congratulations go out to Jack Victor Espinoza. He scored the 3,000th victory of his career over at Hollywood Park. He's a 41-year-old native of Mexico City, which is where he started. So congratulations to, uh, to Victor Espinoza on breaking the 3,000 uh, mark. Now, last week we interviewed Dan Silver, the Director of Racing Operations, and we talked about the Penn Mile card, obviously from being on Winning Ponies, it paid off because the handle records were just shattered 
all the way through the Penn Mile card. Uh, all sources wagering on, on just the Penn Mile race was 1.1 million. The previous record was 377,000. So absolutely a great idea uh, by Dan Silver. We were happy to have him on the, the show last week and uh, happy to be uh, handicapping the, the races uh, at Penn National. It was a great idea and um, a lot of benefits went back to some uh, uh, equine aftercare centers with Canner, Pennsylvania, New Vocations, uh, Rerun, and the uh, HBPA uh, New Start uh, programs. It was just fantastic. I even had the, uh, the, the, the painting horse uh, on there. Um, okay, let's take a look at, at some of last week's races uh, before we uh, get with Claire Novak. Uh, well, what can I say? Aiden O'Brien, he's unbelievable. He scored the, another win in the Epsom Derby. It was ruler of the world giving Aiden O'Brien his fourth win in this classic as the previously unbeaten Dawn approach failed to stay on and ended up finishing last. And uh, this, was a, this was another horse like Frankel sired by Galileo. Uh, just an unbelievable uh, stud and what an impact he is having on the breed. So congratulations uh, to uh, Aiden O'Brien on winning another and beating an undefeated horse in doing so. All right, a quick look at the races at Penn National that we handicapped last week. And uh, it was a surprise in the 41st running of the Pennsylvania Governor's Cup Classic. This was five on the turf. Going from flag fall to that's all, it was tightened touchdown in wire-to-wire fashion. Now, five furlongs on the turf, that's a lot of speed going into the turn, and Kaima blew the turn and uh, took out uh, Chamberlain Bridge and also forced wide the favorite, Ben's Cat, uh, the horse that had won 16 stakes. He was forced wide and had to check. Uh, Bridgetown ended up checking in second Ben's Cat, the hometown favorite, finished third. In the $250,000 Mountain View handicap, the winner was Easter Gift. I, I always like to go to uh, the Daily Racing Forum and check out the Mike Watchmaker, the Weekend Warrior, and this was one of his top picks. The question was, would Easter Gift get the mile and eighth distance had only tried it once and didn't hit the board, but the Chad Brown t- trainee got home paying 940. In the second spot was Norman Abs Jorbenson at 13 to one. He had the lead, but he got caught. And in the third spot, we were wondering who was going to take the lead in this race because there wasn't much speed. Was Pants on Fire, the former Louisiana Derby winner. <clears throat> Last race we handicapped was the feature race, half a million dollar, first running of the Penn Mile, and the winner was Rydillic. He just took over at the start. He was favored uh, and and held off a challenge from Charming Kitten, who did put in a very solid late rally, and in the third spot was Jack Milton, three horses, that all figured very much. Okay, well, coming up next, we're going to be talking to award winner Claire Novak. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball, deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's a tough shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we, we cover, everything. cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us is uh, Claire Novak. Uh, one of my favorite people to see in the press box up at Keeneland when I'm down there. And uh, I'll, I'll read just a part of the, the litany of uh, things that she's done because we've only got 15 minutes in this segment. But uh, you may have read her in the New York Times, ESPN the Magazine, ESPN.com, Associated Press, NBC Sports, and she's also uh, affiliated now with the Blood Horse Magazine. I was so happy to pull up about, uh, oh, 24 hours ago or, or so that uh, Claire, uh, in writing for uh, ESPN, earned top honors in the New York Racing Association's fourth annual Joe Hirsch Memorial Writing Contest, recognizing the best in print and Internet coverage for the Belmont Stakes last year. Of course, it was won by Union Rags, and Claire won top honors in the feature advanced division for her story that appeared uh, June 8th on ESPN.com entitled Unforgettable Day at Belmont Park with us right now. Claire Novak. Claire, how are you doing? Hey, I'm great. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, I, I always, always enjoy it. Uh, you, you bring such a wonderful, youthful enthusiasm uh, to, to the game. I think it's uh, infectious. Well, listen, before we get on to the sights and sounds of what's happening at Belmont Park right now, can you just kind of capsulize for us uh, what granted you the, uh, the top honors in the Joe Hirsch? What, were, what was the guts of Unforgettable Day at Belmont Park? Oh, I was just, you know, pretty much reporting on what had happened with All Have Another, but I think the main part of that story was kind of trying to convey the longing of how much we want a triple crown victory and how close we thought we were potentially getting with this horse and then to just kind of have the opportunity taken away at the 11th hour was you know, particularly 
gut-wrenching. I mean, at least when you have a horse that runs in the Belmont, even if it doesn't win the Triple Crown, you know, you you have that kind of sense of closure, I think. And so with All Have Another, we just never knew how good he could have been because that was the end of his career. So that was pretty much the, the gist of the story. And, yeah, um, you know, really appreciate the New York Racing Association starting this award because I think it's important to uh, foster you know, good turf journalism and everybody who is, who has won this award so far, just, you know, really good company to be in. So, and of course, anything with Joe's name on it is a huge honor. And I didn't ever get to meet him, but he's one of the people in, in racing that I really wish I had gotten to spend some time around. So I have a huge amount of respect for his legacy and his writing and uh, means a lot to me. Well, we're in the same club there. I was lucky enough to to get to meet uh, Joe Hirsch. Of course, he was, was in his later years then, and uh, so he asked me, you know, where I was from. And at the time, you know, I said, "Well, I'm working at River Downs." He goes, "Oh, the old Coney Island racetrack." He started reeling off stuff about River Downs that I didn't know when I was the publicity director. He was an amazing guy. Yeah, yeah, that's that's just amazing. He um. He really, I think, touched a lot of people's lives, and, and, you know, so many people speak of him with such great respect, and I think that really says something about the kind of person that he was. Yeah, and, and a lot of people don't realize he was Joe Namath's roommate. If ever you could find an odd couple, yeah. there they were. That's right. <laughs> well, Claire, well, uh, tell us a little bit. Uh, you know, when I uh, last uh, sent an email off asking you to be on the show, it sounded like you were in the air uh, getting ready to, to, to fly to Belmont. Uh, what's, what's the buzz on the backstretch in the press box right now? Well, um, a lot of people who are, you know, the racing pundits are – I don't know. I don't. I don't really know if everybody's convinced now that Orb can can pull this one off. I mean, horsemen that I talk to and jockeys and people like that kind of, you know, they still have a lot of respect for him. They say, well, he's the Derby winner. You know, he's the best horse in the field. Uh, John Velasquez, who rode Orb and and won't be riding him because he he lost the mount due to a uh, you know this chain Arizona. of circumstances there. Yeah, but. Um, he he'll be on overanalyze. Um, you know, he said this is the best horse in the field. So, uh, and since he's ridden him and, and isn't riding him, I think he would have a pretty good gauge of his quality level. So the horsemen, you know, jockeys, trainers, owners, I, I would say people still have a certain level of respect for him. But in the press box or, you know, the handicappers, a lot of people are, are trying to go against and, and just – don't really have that same confidence. Um, on the handicapping show for Blood Horse, Frank and I both did pick him, but um, a lot of other horses that I'm hearing about, uh, you know, overanalyze. Uh, some people like Freedom Child because of the rain. And, right. And, uh, yeah, I could talk more about that later. But um, as far as I would say, Freedom Child is definitely the buzz horse, kind of, that everybody's talking about, like the insider you know, whatever you might have, the white guy horse, I guess you would say. And then yeah, the, um, the, the benefits and, of passing the Derby, you know. I'm sorry, what did you say? Well, there, there are benefits to passing the Derby. You come in with a slightly more fresh horse if you haven't been competing in the first two legs of the Triple Crown. Yeah, and it's interesting because at the Preakness, usually new shooters don't do that well. And people always make a big deal about that, oh, you know, fresh horse coming in. But at the Preakness, usually it, it's, 
one of those horses that has run in the Derby already um, or run around that same time. Um, but then here at Belmont, uh, they do say that, you know, having a fresher horse is not necessarily a bad thing because now instead of having those horses that kind of come out of the Derby and they're still on that adrenaline spike and they usually run well in the Preakness, now, now they've run in two tough races and they've had a little bit more time. And, you know, so now it's a little, it's a kind of different ball game than, than the Preakness situation. And when you have a fresher horse, you may be able to take advantage of that. Well, I'm not sure if anybody's talking about this, but 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 I find it interesting. I want to know if you've heard anything or what your read is on it. But quite frankly, um, Todd Pletcher has like 37% of the field in there. I mean, he can <laughs> actually play a little chess game as far as he has horses, uh, you know, that, that have speed. Uh, he has mid-pack horses. He has closers. I'm just wondering if he has an, an individual game plan or a collective game plan for the five horses he'll have in there. Well, what's your read on that? Well, of course, these guys play everything so close to the vest. I mean, I'm sure if you asked him about it, he, he'd give you some type of answer that would say no, you know, but yeah, I mean, you, well, you even wonder with a, what some of the reasoning is that goes into putting some of these horses in there. And and tactically, I mean, they've had some horses that, you know, like Palace Malice, for instance, you know, putting the blinkers on and trying to go to the lead with him. I think they, they tried a plan that didn't necessarily work out for them, and they'll do something different with him in this race. And, um, yeah, each one of these horses kind of has a different different running style and and as far as their PPs are concerned, different things that they've proven in their races. I mean, with Revolutionary, I commented on the handicapping show, this horse has never been off the board in his life, and he's so determined, you know, I mean, in a dogfight, that you would think there's so many choice chances that this horse has had to throw in the towel. I mean, in both the Withers and the Louisiana Derby, um, I love, on um, Revolutionary, my favorite note on his past performances the running line for his first start at Saratoga um, <laughs> in September when he finished third clobbered at the break and checked yeah yeah when's the last time you saw <laughs> clobbered at a running line <laughs> yeah clobbered at the break but I mean if you read this horse especially the last three you know in the derby bumped waited at the quarter pole you know in the Louisiana derby circle side wide second turn and game, and then the withers traffic split late and up. But I mean, if you watch those races, there's a lot that you can't get out of that little synopsis. I mean, this, this horse is so unbelievably game. Um, whereas a horse like Palace Mouse, they think you almost wonder if he really has it. You know, he, he hasn't won since he broke his maiden, and I just I don't know if he really has that competitive drive to get the job done. And um. You know the Philly. I mean, she was brilliant earlier in the year, and uh, but in my opinion, you know the the start of the Kentucky Oaks might have might have really cost her the race. So absolutely, yeah. His horses, not to go off on on individual rabbit trails on each one of them, but um, you know, like I said, they all have these different situations where they come in that you almost couldn't really gauge exactly what the plan might be with them just because of, you know, a horse like Pals Mouse where they tried something and it didn't quite work and, and it's almost back to the drawing board with him, you know? Well, let me let me take your exact words and put them on Vijack 
and compare him to Revolutionary, who's 9-2, to two, Vijack is 20-1. to one. If you look at his races prior to the Kentucky Derby, he's, he's right there every single time. Yeah, I and and see that is very true. And you maybe you know, maybe he's a horse that that people have just thrown out unfairly. I mean, when I talked about Orb I said, Look, my reasoning behind picking Orb is you can't fault a horse that has done so well and then misses one race. I mean, now I'll give him the benefit of the doubt based on those prior performances this is a quality horse. Now, if he comes back and runs poorly here, you know, maybe I'm not going to pick him next time we see him down the road for the Travers or something like that. And I'll probably say something like, you know, I was so high on this horse earlier in the year. He's the Derby winner, but, you know, he just went downhill from the Preakness and didn't run well in the Belmont. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I learned my lesson. It would be almost like a, a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me situation. But I do think he deserves another chance. So, you know, is Vijack a horse that that is like that? Um, I don't know. I mean, the situation with this race, really, 14 horses in here. I mean, because of the scenario where Orb just didn't fire at the Preakness and because of Oxford's kind of, you know, just free-running, headstrong, front-running style that you can't really mess with, I mean, there are so many horses in here that could factor. And I joked on Twitter about, you know, I didn't, I didn't pick all 14 horses, but you almost have to go and mention so many of them that have, you know, <laughs> particular traits that that might do well here. I mean, I think of Will Take Charge, um, you know, and and the past two Triple Crown races have just been abysmal for him. But then. They say he's this big, huge, long-striding horse, and he has kind of one closing, like, grind. And if you get him blocked up, and if, if he just can't re-break and, and be handy enough to go. He needs running room, and he needs to make his run. Well, in the Derby, he, you know, he basically got impeded by Verrazano, and in the Preakness, he didn't have a good trip either. So, you know, is he the type of horse where he really is a Belmont type of horse, and in the previous two races, we've just been trying to fit him into a box of, you know, the Derby, which is a crazy mess with 20 horses, the the Preakness, which, of course, is, you know, not exactly a race that's, that's known to be particularly great for a Belmont style of horse. It means two different types of style of, of running in races. So, I don't know. Like I said, um I I think there's so many horses in here you could make a case for, and even some of the long shots, I don't really, you know, I see pluses to some of them too. But on the handicapping show, I did, you know, go ahead and firm well, I'll up. Just tell, my... I'll just tell everybody to, to go, go to the Blood Horse, and they yep. can get you your total analysis. It's six minutes with Frank Anks that was on the show with us. Uh, just uh, over a week ago, and Claire, I'm, uh, the little red lights going off. Tell me, I ran out of time, and I got to run a commercial. So, listen, you have a great time in New York. Make sure you uh, wear your uh, rubber boots tomorrow, and, uh, <laughs> and ha- have a great time in the Big Apple. Thanks so much for being on Winning Ponies, Claire Novak. Thank you so much, John. All right, we'll see. You. And coming up next, one of my favorite cappers. He's there in the Big Apple himself, Dan Elman from the Daily Racing Forum. You're listening to Winning Ponies.
internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form, the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry, let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me now, one of the most respected handicappers with the daily racing form. Uh, he's a New York-based kind of guy. Uh, he's been on the show before. I've always had good response from the listeners. Dan Elman, how you doing today? Doing great, John. Thanks for having me on. What an exciting weekend. Uh, absolutely. Well, first of all, uh, you're in New York, and I understand that uh, we may have to alter our handicapping a little bit due to the weather reports. We certainly may. For the rest of the evening tonight, there's a 70% chance of, way, of rain from the National Weather Service just for tonight, 90% chance of rain on Friday, which could make things rather dicey for that turf sprint, uh, the Jiper. And, of course, on Saturday right now, it looks like there are going to be morning showers. Hopefully we will clear things up by the time post-time for the Belmont rolls around a little bit after 6.30, but you've got to think Big Sandy, as we like to call Belmont, uh, main track is going to retain a lot of moisture. Yeah, I did hear some favorable uh, uh, quotes from uh, Suge McGahee uh, in, in the media today, complimenting the, the track man at Belmont, and also just talking about the conditions itself, and the fact that it is big sandy, and you guys do kind of get a breeze there, that uh, should those morning rains back off a, a little bit, that, that he's thinking it's not going to be a total quagmire come Belmont time. It 
really depends on how much rain are we going to get. If we're inundated, and, and again, the track superintendent does an absolutely wonderful job with this track. I don't think it's going to be a quagmire. I think there's going to be a significant amount of rain, but I think they're going to do everything they can to try to pack it down and get it as, as nice and dry and tight as possible. But again, there is going to be moisture in there, and I think Shug uh, is kind of happy after what he saw uh, at Churchill Downs over a wet track. He's not going to mind at all having Orb run over another wet track, if that's the case. Okay. Well, listen, I'm asking you a lot. We're, we're going to try to put 10 pounds into a 5-pound st- uh, sack. Let's start off with Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forms read on the Belmont Park. I've stated my case. I'm going to sit back. I want to listen to you. Uh, for the Belmont Stakes on Saturday, we just listened to Claire Novak, and I really have a lot of respect for her, and, and I think she hit the nail right on the head in analyzing Orb's chances if you're a fan of Orb. He deserves every right to get a mulligan after one bad race in the Preakness, considering all he did earlier this spring. Not only the, the way he won the Kentucky Derby, but the way he won down at Gulfstream Park as well, prepping for the race. He just was rock solid. Give him a mulligan. He has an excuse that he was down inside and in between horses and uncomfortable and in behind a much different pace scenario uh, than it was uh, seen at Kentucky uh, in Kentucky for the Derby. Really, the way the Belmont is going to be run is going to, I think, to determine who the winner is going to be, as we saw in the Derby and in the Preakness. In the Derby, there was that violent pace. It aided all of the closers, including Orb. In the Preakness, while the pace was solid, the front runner Oxbow was able to pretty much take them around the track, and Orb might have been compromised somewhat. I think there's going to be a legitimate pace in the Belmont. Orb is going to be licking his lips if the pace is fast. And with that pedigree at a mile and a half, I think he's going to mow them down late. Yeah, and you do uh, notice uh, amongst this group of 14 that will all break from the same gate, uh, the name AP Indy uh, either shows up on the dam side or the sire side uh, in in quite a few of these horses. So uh, there are, you know, legitimate mile-and-a-half horses here. Obviously, we'll find out. They'll probably never run the distance again. But in in mentioning that, uh, another uh, grandson of AP Indy by the sire Malibu Moon, who's also the sire of Orb, is is Freedom Child. And and let's face it, if ever a horse jumped up on a muddy track and has had uh, the opposite of a lot of these horses in that he did not compete in the Derby and the Preakness, so he comes in a little bit fresh with a sloppy track uh, at Belmont Park. What's your read on him, Dan? Oh, he's a logical contender in this spot. A lot of folks can make the argument that, hey, maybe Orban Oxbow have been knocked out by getting onto the Triple Crown Trail, getting into the Kentucky Derby, then contesting the Derby and the Preakness. Heck, maybe they're wiped out. Freedom Child is relatively lightly raced, certainly lightly raced compared to both Orb and Oxbow. You mentioned he loves a wet track. He won the local prep in the Peter Pan. The Wood Memorial, you just throw a line through because he broke about six lengths slow. And then I thought he ran pretty well during the middle part of that race before understandably backing out. The real question is what's the pace scenario going to be like and really is a mile and a half what he wants to do. He does have that Malibu Moon AP Indy on the top of his pedigree, the bottom of his pedigree. It's more geared towards sprinters and milers, and maybe that'll hinder him going a mile and a half. If Frack Daddy goes, Ken McPeak saying Frack Daddy is going to go, Oxbow's got a little bit of speed. There are a couple of others. I think Freedom Child is fast. I think he's classy. I think he's fresh. 
I also think he's going to be a little bit of an underlay because a lot of folks have been talking up his chances, especially the workout guys, and they seem to have clout uh, over the odds. All right. Who is Dale, Dan Illman's price horse in here? A horse that's definitely going to be on your uh, trifecta ticket that, that you're hoping will get you home. You know, I think Golden Soul has a chance, and I understand people are kind of knocking Golden Soul a little bit for his second-place finish in the Derby because Everybody's like bad. Everybody Everybody like lost Revolutionary the Derby he benefited from a very fast pace up front. And Golden Soul's previous races didn't indicate that he had that sort of ability, certainly not that sort of triple-digit buyer speed figure. I'm going to take a little bit of a contrarian view on Golden Soul, however, and that maybe he's the kind of horse that's just improving and peaking at the right time, and I think Dallas Stewart's managed him pretty well. He ran that big buyer top in the Derby. He was able to you know, withstand all of the temptation to go in the Preakness. He's now as a fresh horse once again for the Belmont, and this horse does have the pedigree as well to go a mile and a half. I think he'll be running late because I think the pace is going to be fast, not as fast as in Kentucky, but certainly faster than it was at Pimlico. And I think this is a horse that's going to be ignored in the wagering, maybe somewhere around the 10 to 12 to 15 to 1 range. All right, now three horses that really, if you just put a line through their last race, <clears throat> could, could be standouts in any season are Revolutionary, Vijack, and Unlimited Budget. Can you give me your comments on the filly, Unlimited Budget, because I understand that she is a thing of beauty to look at. She is an absolute beauty, uh, pretty as a picture. Unlimited budget I have a tremendous amount of respect for and think she's going to make her mark against members of her own sex a little bit later this year. I'm not sure she's ready to go a mile and a half against the boys right now. She's got a nice pedigree, but boy, if she couldn't win the Oaks, what makes you think she's going to win the Belmont at a mile and a half? A lot of folks are saying, well, Todd won this race with rags to riches. Unlimited budget's good. She's no rags to riches. I think she's a very, very solid filly that will probably give a good account of herself. I just am not sure she's going to be in the winner's circle on Saturday afternoon. As for Vijack, I have a ton of respect for this horse. I think he's going to be more of a miler or a late running uh, or a late type, a late uh, season type sprinter down the road. I really don't think a mile and a half is his game. A mile and an eighth seems a little bit too far when he, when he ran in the Wood Memorial. He's got a lot of talent. He also likes to be a little bit up close to the pace, and maybe if the pace is fast, it could work against him. I'm kind of against Vijack, although I like him as a racehorse. Revolutionary for me is probably the toughest call in this race. Because in my opinion, aside from perhaps Orb, Revolutionary may be the most innately talented horse in this race. He's run fast, triple-digit buyer speed figure in the maiden win. He overcame a ton of trouble in winning the withers over the aqueduct in her track. It looked like he was very green that day. Then he was able to be more professional when he won the big race down at the, down at the fairgrounds. And of course, he showed up one more time in the Kentucky Derby. Revolutionary to me is a horse that's very scary and a horse I must use in multi-race wagers like the pick four. And again, we we alluded to, to pedigree being a part of this race, and Revolutionary is out of an AP Indy mare. While unlimited budget, we're talking about a very talented filly. Well, when Rags to Riches went to post, she was already a half sibling to a horse that had won the Belmont Stakes. So, yeah, another reason to to, to like Revolutionary. Uh, I, I think he's got the pedigree to go a mile and a half, and he's proven himself over a wet race track as well. 
lot of things going for him. He's got Todd in his corner as well, and if the pace is fast, you figure he's going to be running as well. Uh, again, I think the talent is there, and his mind seems to be finally gelling with that ability. He's a very dangerous horse, but it's going to be funny how this Belmont's going to get bet. You know Orb's going to take money. You know Oxbow's going to take money. You know Freedom Child's going to take money. Really, you want to look for any sort of value among those four. Uh, with Revolutionary, it'll be very interesting to see if Revolutionary becomes sort of a hot horse in this race. Fascinating from a betting perspective, fascinating from a pace perspective, and, of course, fascinating from a weather perspective. And that's why we have Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum on Winning Ponies to get his perspective. Okay, uh, I'm gonna since there's so much money up for grabs this week, I'm gonna try to do some speed handicapping here. I know that uh, I'm sure you probably slept with the Racing Forum under your pillow last night and got a pretty good feel for most of these races. Um, <clears throat> let's rewind to tomorrow, uh, the uh, the legendary Brooklyn Handicap. It's only the 125th running of that race. Um, obviously, the weather's going to play a big factor in that. Is there a mother superior in this field of eight that, that can that can get the grueling mile and a half? That's a major question. I like percussion in the mud a lot. I'm not sure I like him at a mile and a half. This race comes down to pace as well as surface, perhaps. Bird Run won this race a couple of years ago on the engine. I'm not sure the Bird Run of 2013 is the same as the Bird Run in 2011. Percussion does have speed. And if Bird Run fails to show that good early speed, Percussion might be able to control this for Pletcher. And he's gotten very good since getting into the Pletcher barn, winning three of four. The only loss to Game on Dude in the Charlestown Classic will give him a mulligan for that race. <laughs> I like Percussion on a wet track. He's very questionable at a mile and a half, but boy is he game, winning three photos out of his last four starts, one over Fast Falcon, another horse I'd be using. While Fast Falcon sort of hung against percussion last time out, this is a horse that may be more effective at the distance. He's been a disappointment throughout his career with only one victory, but one of these days, I've always had the feeling that Fast Falcon has a race for him, and maybe it's going to be the Brooklyn. I'm keying on percussion and Fast Falcon Kaleidoscopio, for me, is a bet against. This is a horse who took advantage of a torrid pace to win the Breeders' Cup Marathon last year. I don't think he's going to get that sort of set up here. And since then, his campaign has been compromised by various foot issues and illnesses, and now he's going to have to go a mile and a half, which might actually be a bit short for him. He's getting bet. He's the underlay. I'm against him. I'm on percussion and fast Falcon in the Brooklyn. See, this is why we have Dan Elman on. I didn't know about those foot problems, but I do see in uh, the Daily Racing Forum where you, you'll find that line that tells you there was plenty of time between its last races, and uh, it's usually not just because they're giving the, the horse a rest. Okay, so that's the Brooklyn Handicap, folks. That's going to start tomorrow. You're going to be able to make a Brooklyn Handicap, Belmont, mile and a half, uh, d a daily double. Now I'm going to move backwards to the race that will come on before the Belmont Stakes, and it's the Woodford Reserve. I sure hope that the turf course is just not too yielding where they might scratch point of entry because, quite frankly, I, I think uh, this is one of the most talented horses in, in training today, Dan. 
I agree with you. Not only one of the best turf horses in the country, one of the best overall horses in the country. And to be honest with you, even if the course is a little bit wet, I'm not worried about point of entry. He won over a yielding Belmont turf course last year when he was on quite a roll, and he is simply better than the horses he's facing in the Manhattan. You can really sort of spread around in some of these other races in the pick four. Many folks are going to be singling point of entry. I'm one of them. Twilight Eclipse is a nice horse. Heck, he just broke the world record going a mile and a half down at Gulfstream Park. But he might be a little bit better at a mile and a half than a mile and three-eighths. A mile and a quarter is point of entry's domain, and I just think he's way the horse to beat, obviously, and I think he's the most likely winner on the whole card. And once again, I do believe that that, that Shug McGahee said, hey, there's a big difference between a soft course at Churchill Downs and a soft course at Belmont Park. Uh, we know that he, he did scratch out uh, over uh, the Derby Day. Um, would, love, would have loved to have seen that race. Um, oh, yeah. But, but it sounds to me like, like Shug's like, look, I'm not, this horse is sitting on go, and I'm ready to let him go. I agree with you. I think he didn't want to face Wise Dan on a yielding turf course because, boy, he'd have to be 100% to beat Wise Dan the way that horse is going right now. He may not have to be completely 100% to beat the opponents in the Manhattan. Again, no disrespect to these horses. They're good horses, but they're taking on a potentially very good horse in point of entry. All right. Well, I'm going to try to squeeze in a couple more races because of the uh, the lucrative uh, pick four that's out there. I've got about uh, six minutes left here. And uh, so now we move back to to a race that will be on the main track, uh, seven furlongs, uh, the grade two Woody Stevens, 400,000 uh, up for grabs. Uh, it looks like there's plenty of speed in here. And what a competitive race. I'd hate to be the odds maker for this one. What a great race, because arguably you have two of the swiftest three-year-old sprinters in the country. Let him shine, who is pristine, has never been headed in his career. Z Bros, who is wickedly fast and so impressive three weeks ago at Pimlico. Will they compromise each other? Because they know one way to go, and that is fast early. And at seven furlongs, it might set things up and help the closers. i got to use both of those horses in the pick four, simply because I think they're the best horses, but I'm terrified of a pace meltdown, and clearly now, for me, is the horse that may benefit the most from a fast pace up front. I think he might have been a little bit too close last time. This time around, he might be further off the pace, and he's got a strong kick. I'm concentrating on those three, but I'm probably throwing Declan's Warrior as well, and maybe even Capo Bastone, horses that have a strong, strong late kick as well. Point of entry being a single to me means that I can spread. So Zebros and Let Him Shine, the two speeds, if they get in the duel and could be compromised, maybe clearly now Declan's Warrior and Capo Bastoni. And if you had to put a gun to my head and say make a pick, I'm going to go with Zebros against my better judgment. I think he's that good. <laughs> Great analysis, Dan. I just struggled with this. I spent a half an hour on this race, and I I just couldn't get anybody to to come to the top. And of course, you get you got to fact, factor in the slop factor. Or you've exactly. got uh, zebros uh, has never been on an off track. Might love it, might hate it. We just don't know. That's why you got to let the odds board be your guide if you're playing from a single race standpoint. If these horses get hammered at the window, look for value. Maybe a closer will provide that value. 
That's great, great advice. Uh, again, we're, we're talking with Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. He's helping us with the Belmont card. Again, uh, very lucrative in uh, some of the exotics that are going to be offered there at Belmont Park. Sure hope there aren't any scratch in, in race eight, uh, which is the uh, just a game. It's a grade one, half a million dollars. Only seven drew into the race. Um, I almost wonder... When I'm talking about scratches, if misdirection, if that course isn't right, uh, could possibly pass on this race. As we know, uh, this horse has made a great reputation for itself. Jim Rome, one of the owners, but uh, you know, it really is pretty much a West Coast horse. That is true, but it's a long way to travel to come and get scratched at the last minute, especially with a horse that could be the main and controlling speed. With her quality and what she's done in her career, I wouldn't be surprised if she runs on broken glass, so maybe (laughs) she'll handle a yielding turf course. It's a short field, but it's a field filled with a ton of quality. I can make a case for just about every horse in this race. I'm leaning towards Day at the Spa, a horse if you throw out her matriarch two starts back, where she freaked out, she jumped into the rail. She suffered a cut on her tendon that required several stitches and a long layoff. All there is on her form are ones, 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 ones. She likes to win. And her her return race earlier this year while against much inferior competition, it was a great prep and a great workout because it looked like one of those tandem workouts, only she got paid for it. She was up close and battling with another horse early. The minute she put that one away, she was confronted on the outside by another one, and she just spurted away from them. I think she sits off of misdirection, and if misdirection scratches, day at the spa becomes the main and controlling speed. She is very, very good. And taking nothing away from horses like Center Court and Stephanie's Kitten and Hungry Island, Day at the Spa might offer a little bit of price potential as well. I like her in the Justa game. All right. Thanks a lot, Dan. You are at the perfect pace for this. We've got three minutes left, and we're going to go to the True North Handicap. Again, this race is going to be six furlongs. It's a grade two. we got a half a dozen going to post in here. And uh, Bob Baffert not being afraid to come in with another one of his Speedsters, uh, Fast Bullet will be a part of the Zayat Stables entry. Um, and then you've got, uh, I always have trouble with his name, Kaixa Electronica, uh, who uh, won the True North uh, back uh, last year. Uh, what what a nice horse, uh, 20 victories from 62 starts. Been around for a while, though, might be getting long in the tooth. Want to get your read on it, Dan. Boy, it's a good race, and you also got Sage Valley returned with a vengeance three weeks ago at Pimlico and draws a cozy outside post position. As much as I hate to pick a short price in a race like this, it looks like the Zayat entry, if the left doesn't hit you from the lead like Fazvat Bullet, maybe the right will with Justin Phillip, who is just a confirmed mud lark, especially at Belmont Park. Fast Bullet's an interesting story. The only time he really stumbled his toe were when they ambitiously placed him in the Breeders' Cup sprint off almost a year layoff. Draw a line through that race. He ran a hole in the wind last time out at Betfair Hollywood Park. Unfortunately, he came down with a foot abscess after that race. He was supposed to run in the Los Angeles handicap last week out in Southern California. He got sick the morning of the race. Hate having these interruptions, but boy, is he fast out of the gate. He might be a specially fast sprinter, and hopefully, Baffert can keep him sound. Sage Valley's another horse I would use. I respect Kayak's Electronica, and if this pace is fast, you know he's going to be running late, just like he did last year. But for 
me, I'm going to chalk out, unfortunately, with this entry. I'm intrigued and excited to see what Fast Bullet's going to do on Saturday. Right, especially the fact that, uh, you know, two of its races uh, have been on synthetic tracks. It's never been on an off track. Of course, Baffert, the way he trains them, they come in here with bullets. You know, the fact that they've kept this horse uh, in training, he's now a five-year-old with only four starts, tells me that he's really hoping this horse has some kind of future ahead of him, uh, particularly that, uh, you know, he might have a breeding career. But... uh, Nonetheless, all I can do is uh, thank Dan Elman for being on the show with us, and, and uh, thank you for being such a, a rapid-fire handicapper. You got so informa- much information out of there in 26 minutes. My head's spinning. I want to go back and listen to the podcast. John, I really appreciate you having me on. It's great talking to you, great talking to all the fans out there listening to Winning Ponies. Best of luck on Saturday. All right, thanks a million. That was Dan Illman from the Daily Racing Forum. want to remind everybody, you, you, you heard the picks from Claire and from Dan. Winning Ponies having their own free handicapping contest. You can win Jack Van Berg's book autographed. You can get uh, original photos of Ali Sheba winning the Breeders' Cup Classic, becoming the all-time winningest horse. And you can win posters of Wise Dan, last year's Horse of the Year. Compliments of Winning Ponies. Just go to the site and sign on. So thanks a lot to my guests. Thanks a lot to my listeners. Remember, if you bring a friend of the track on Belmont Weekend, practice safe bets. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.